This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Forever. Dog. Rose and Jamie are two best friends. And they love sex and the city. And they couldn't help but wonder. Do you love it too? Carrie. Miranda, Samantha. Charlotte. Cosmos. Scrunchies. So many dudes. Every single day. The dudes, and we couldn't help but wonder with Jamie Lee and Rose Cerno. I'm Jamie Lee, and I'm Rose Cerno, and this is Couldn't, couldn't Help But wonder. wonder, a podcast where we talk about sex in the city and how it relates to, to us. us. Oh my goodness, I haven't seen you in two Grace's weeks. Grace's graciousness, how are you? Right at this exact moment, How I'm are you very right tired. Okay. How okay. are you? I'm okay. Um, I'm actually feeling okay. I did eat some ramen before we came here. From where? Silver Lake Ramen. So I don't know if they've good. always been available on Postmates, but they are now, or I just discovered that they were now, and it really is like my favorite ramen. Postmates and has changed my life. Yeah, I mean... It's really expensive, but I do love it, and I order it a lot. Yeah, me too. Um, Gal, who were you this week? Who was I? Um, well, today I had a meeting at San Vicente Bungalows, which I had never been to. I keep hearing about. It's kind of like a Soho house situation, oh, but like more hidden. Hmm. Like you could drive past it. You would never even notice it. It's just like, I don't know. There's a bunch of like plants and a valet and you're like oh I guess that's it um but then you like walk in and it's kind of this like garden oasis but very sceny and you have to be a member to get in I had a meeting there I'm not a member that sounds Um, fun but it was funny because when I walk in the woman at the front desk was like can I see your phone and I was like sure and then she took these little stickers and put them over the cameras on my phone, like the lenses. And I was like, oh, and she's like, there's no photos inside. And I was like, I wasn't going to take photos. Also, this is not a method to get people to stop them from taking photos. I could remove the sticker. It's You're a like, sticker. Also, no offense, but I'm a celebrity. But also, if you don't want me to take photos, you should confiscate phones. You can't. She just breaks your phone. Yeah. <laughs> just snaps it over her knee. Sorry, bitch. You're in San Vicente yeah. Bungalows now. I was just like, so okay. Were there also, hot guess, celebs everywhere? Um, no, not not even a little bit. Were there hot hot regular? I mean, people? I met with I met with people who I I would say are like high profile. Um, do you want to say who they I are? I mean, no, I know <gasps> it's lame, camera? but not. It wasn't like Brad Pitt. Like it was, you it's know, like, that's so Raven. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly <laughs> okay. Damn it, you guessed it. <laughs> so I guess I well, I was gonna say I feel like Carrie this week when she goes to L.A. because mm. it really was like. It felt just like something you would want to see Sounds on fun Sex and Glamorous. And yeah, it felt it, it's not the LA I live every day. It definitely was like Carrie when she visits LA and like sleeps with who did she sleep with? Um Vince Vaughn. Yeah. That's fun. That was an, it's in a later season, guys. Get ready for that one. It's a fun one. I love it. Every it's one of my single, favorite episodes is when they visit LA. I love it. Every single or male several. working actor has been on this show. I know. It's really fun to spot them. Yeah. But anyways, uh, and then we ordered some really delicious food, which I just want to say 
I love like a fancy crudite basket. Like I love like mm. when you get like hummus and then it comes with like a really fun assortment. Because like when I think crudite, I think like party tray. I'm thinking Ralph's. Yeah, like, peel just off like the a plastic. just like a little nubby like you know a dried a out broccoli. Yes, a dried out b- broccoli, a schlongy carrot, and then like some celery that's like brown on the edges. But it's fun when you get ones with like seasonal carrots of different colors and like. I don't know. It had like different colors of cauliflower in it. And I was like, this is just very like, it's unnecessary, but it's like a fun detail that I don't usually have in my life. And it's just fun when it pops up that way. That sounds wonderful. I mean, I love glamorous stuff. I love putting on a great outfit, getting my nails done and having a meeting somewhere glamorous. Yeah. Makes me feel really fantastic. It's also nice when a meeting feels glamorous because oftentimes meetings are kind of a slog. You're just kind of like, oh, I have to go to this thing in an office but this was like in a nice setting we had tea we had good food I was do they like, want to work with you on something I think so yeah but I mean whether that happens or not I was just like oh I like that this is like an enjoyable meeting what were you wearing did you wear something fabulous I was wearing these pants that I'm wearing right now which are for those of you who aren't in this room can't, right now <laughs> uh, see through their car stereos um, yeah it's uh, wearing like kind of gaucho Rachel Comey pants and then I wore um, like a cutoff um, American Apparel R.I.P. sweater, mm. and um, sounds hot. Yeah. I have a boner. My dick like is bursting through my pants yeah, right I now. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell. Mm. So yeah, in other words, you know, just usual Jamie wear. I'm always kind of dressed like Diane Keaton from a Woody Allen movie, which is the best way to dress. It's my favorite. Who were you this week? Um. I think I was both Samantha and Miranda mm-hmm. because I went to Las Vegas. Oh, yeah, that's right. Why did I think that was coming up? I went to Las oh Vegas God. with my coworkers because our How show was takes it? place in Vegas. <gasps> so we went on a research Fun. trip. I forgot that that was this week. Oh, my God. Tell me everything. Well, it's interesting because our show uh, is about like two losers that live off strip Vegas. Yeah. And it's like, you know, a comedy. So we, I love Vegas comedies. Yeah. Vegas based comedies. Yeah. yeah. And this is fun. Cause it's like about people that like, aren't doing the glamorous things. It's like, they're eating like the buffets, the like all shrimp sure. buffets for like five 99 and stuff. There are so many versions of Vegas to be explored. Yes. Um, I, and satirized. Right. So it was definitely fun to see. It's definitely, I've never been to Vegas before and it is one th- Wait, you had never been? No, and it's wow. 1,000% a place I hope to never go again. Oh, wow. I do not like Vegas. I knew I wouldn't like it. I had a fun time with my coworkers. Where did you stay? I mean, we didn't stay anywhere good. We stayed at the Flamingo. It's oh, like, shit. It's like an old... Yeah, we like specifically... I've stayed there. You get what I'm saying. I, I mean... The first time I went to Vegas, that's where I stayed. Uh, trigger warning for people who don't like snobs. I'm a snob, and this is about to be like a classist, elitist rant. But Vegas is like if 7-Eleven were a city. I think it is a piece of trash. Oh, really? I think it's like if a cruise was parked. It's like... I mean, it is, for sure. Yeah, I hated it. I think it's like everything bad about America. It's just like spending money and capitalism and like smoking indoors and just gambling. I think it is gross. Everybody... I mean, I didn't stay at the nice hotels. Maybe in the nicer hotels, it's like prostitutes and Saudi princes. But at the hotels I was staying at, it's just like depressing how long were you there just a couple days like one night okay i was gonna say if you stay longer than two nights no no matter where you stay you start to be like get the fuck out of here no it's not for me but uh, that's not the kind of place that i like and it's a lot of white 
people that look like they hate people that aren't white. Like mm. it was a lot of like. Yeah, that's a good part of Vegas. Very, I mean, that's like, a good portion of Vegas very is what I mean. white trashy looking sure. dudes with sure. long beards. And it's kind of know, like a giant theme park. It's it is. I I am not a Vegas person. I had a fun time. We did some things that were fun. We went up to the stratosphere. That was fun. That's fun. We got drunk and did karaoke. I had a blast doing that. But um, yeah, I felt like Miranda because Vegas gave me a little bit of anxiety. Mm -hmm. It's like I just don't like being around that. It's like I don't like Coachella. I don't like being around a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, my what I like to do is be around less people. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of felt like a little like bitchy cynical did Miranda. they did they like it did your co-workers love it or did they love vegas well, we ha i had a great time yeah, yeah let yeah. me say yeah i love my co-workers we had so much fun no no i but know the but the place did, itself did, gave me anxiety. did they also feel that way yeah they're like this is vegas is a shithole oh interesting yeah um i'm sure if i was staying at a really nice hotel and i was seeing Cirque du Soleil and i was eating at michelin star restaurants but mm. i was eating restaurants where you were looking around and the people that were eating there made you not want to eat yeah, I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Well, that is part of Vegas. Like cystic acne yes, waiters with I, like I know cigarettes. Mean. But also, even in the nice places in Vegas, I've noticed that you will find that as well. I find that really. Yeah, it's this kind is of everywhere. I, yeah, I'm not a good person, but that stuff turns me off really fast. Oh, same. I mean, you know who you're talking to. Yeah. Please. I'm just saying I'm a snob and I can't go anywhere except for nice places. Well, the thing with Vegas, too, is like if you're like I would say, yeah, day. I think one night is like ideal. Two nights is max because that first night you're kind of you have that new Vegas energy. You're charged up. You're like, let's go all night. And then the next day you're like, oh, we're doing this again, are we? And then you're just kind of like, OK. And you start to feel affected by just being in like a dark casino and they pump that air freshener through it. So it's not just the smell of cigarettes. It's like cigarettes like covered up by like Axe like body spray that's being candy. Yeah, sense. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like hookah, like yes. hookah peach. Oh, yeah, wait, hookah peach is so, <laughs> so gross. Yeah, the smells. My nose was like, oh, it'll bleed. Yeah, I thought it was like a fascinating experience anthropologically. It's sure, like, it is. It's like this is why we are where we are. I don't know. It's like well, it's it funny that reminds you, me of like the worst well, of people. It's, it's funny that you mentioned Cirque du Soleil because I went to see Cirque du Soleil and it was the one that like you know whatever it was like a Zumanity. billion dollar. No, it was like the oh, it was the original. Oh, I heard that's really the good. Right. Well, everyone's like, oh my god, this is it. It's in uh -oh. water. Have you heard? It's in water. They're in water. They're in water. Oh. And you're like, wow, I gotta see this water. Like, <sighs> and then you get there and it's like just fucking terrible it's and people good. around are just like smiling ear to ear just like wait Jamie it wasn't away. good it was so mediocre really well first of all Cirque du Soleil has spread themselves way too thin they have grown they have so many shows so now they have to train so many people to be in the circus and the people who are really great there aren't that many who can really execute you know the contortionists and like the really big moves or like the serious acrobats not everyone can do that. So they have their like B-level players who can't do as much cool shit. It's just like one standing leg in. and peg legs doing cartwheels. You're, You're like, not what? far off. Like, it's like a, a little tumble, like a 45-year-old yeah. woman tumbling. Seriously. In O, they have a ship, okay, that swings back and forth. And like, you know, they're supposed to be doing tricks as the boat is moving. And that's the big stunt. But a lot of it was really just them sort of riding the ship and us watching them swing back and forth. And they really weren't letting go or falling in the water. I was thinking the water 
water would really add to the stakes. Like, ooh, you know, what if they fall in the water? And they don't. And I was like, and then there's also obviously like, I mean, this is probably going to get me in trouble in some way. But like the French Canadian humor doesn't really do it for me. It was like in the beginning of the show, these like two guys walk out like truly like Tweedledee and Tweedledum and like striped shirts. comedy hosts. And it's like. And they come out and they don't talk. Uh-huh. Yeah, but they don't even do that. They don't talk and they just mime. It's like they kind of mime and then one of them like bends over and farts and the other one does like a PU like with his hand across his face and you're just Wait, like it's PU oh humor. Oh my god, a hundred percent. It's so much like French fart humor. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, this is terrible. We are majorly alienating our French fartists. Mm-hmm. If you're French and you think farting is LOL, we're sorry. We're sorry. Don't at us. Don't at us. It's so funny how like, and I'm not even against PC culture. I think PC culture is a good thing. And I think it's just a... Uh, a euphemism for like just not please having your head up your ass. Please don't cancel me for hating on the Cirque no, du Soleil humor. I, I mean, guys, l- let me have this one, please. <laughs> I need something. When, I need something when, to cling to. When Jamie was like, I hope this doesn't get me in trouble. I thought you were like going to say something bad and you're like, the French Canadians. It's like we've gotten to a point now where it's like cancel think, culture is disgusting I at a certain think, point. Yeah, well, it is. I think it's truly I'm, dangerous. Jamie, I'm never going to cancel you. Thank you. I'm not canceling you either. I might pause I'm, you to no, get a snack. I'm, well, I feel completely opposite. I'm re-upping you for a second second season. You're going to resubscribe? I'm greenlighting you. Yeah. Girl. I'm, I'm greenlighting the Rose Project. The only time I would ever pause you is if I had to quickly go to the bathroom and I didn't want to miss anything. Okay, that's really sweet. Well, I guess, I guess we're back on as friends. Okay, guys, today we are doing season two, episode 16 of Sex and the City. The episode is titled, Was It Good For You? By the way, anyone listening, if you're a new listener or a newish listener, this is a Sex and the City podcast Yes, we do go off the rails and talk about ourselves a lot, but that's what you're here for. So I just want to let you know that the spine of the show is Sex in the City, and we are going to be discussing season two, episode 16, Was It Good For You? The spine is Sex in the City, and then the flesh, the cartilage, the meat. Yes. It's, yeah, the, gen- the, the jiggly the geni- genitals. The jiggly That's just bits. me and Jane. Yeah, that's just, exactly. Okay, so this episode opens with Charlotte in the middle of sex with Dr. Bram Walker, a very tired orthopedic surgeon. The guy works so hard he passes out inside of Charlotte. She's offended, he's apologetic, but the damage is done, man. Charlotte must be bad at sex. After Carrie consoles Charlotte with some tummy tea, Carrie and Samantha meet up and confirm that Charlotte probably does suck at sex. Sam, on the other hand, is a legend. She's so good that even gay men are asking her out. Samantha was invited to dinner by a gay couple she'd known for years, David and David. Well, thanks for a lovely dinner. It was fun. (laughs) Well, I have to admit, we have an ulterior motive. What? We were wondering if you were seeing anybody special right now. Well, actually, no. Do you have a hot guy for me? (laughs) Two. No! (laughs) Yes! We want to have sex with a woman. Are you serious? Totally. I've always been curious what it would be like. Neither one of us has ever done it, and we thought it might be fun. (laughs) And then we were like, well, if we were going to do it with a woman, who would it be? And then we were like, oh, Samantha. Totally. We decided, of all the beautiful women we know, you are probably the best in bed. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm thinking about doing it. They're cute, they're healthy, they're gay! You know, for a sex columnist, you have a very limited view of sexuality. Gay is pink suede! Wake up! It's 2000! 
The new millennium won't be about sexual labels, it'll be about sexual expression. It won't matter if you're sleeping with men or women. It'll be about sleeping with individuals. Or in your case, twos or threes. Soon everyone will be pansexual. It won't matter if you're gay or straight. That was so ahead of its time I that they did I'm this so long away. ago. I'm, and I'm also so 19 years ago. I know. I'm blown away by that whole speech from Samantha. I'm also blown away by Samantha finally calling out that Carrie is conservative for a sex columnist because it is so <gasps> true. That's true. And I'm surprised that within the show, it took them this long to finally address that Carrie is not as experimental and sort of outside of the box as you would think she would be given her line of work. Yeah, I completely just agree surprising. with you. Yeah, yeah I, I know. I think that uh, most of the episodes just came from their lives. And I'm like, I bet you this happened to somebody in the room that that some gay guys were like, let's get it on. Yeah. I think it's kind of a yeah. fantasy. It's like, I think I've met in my life gay men that I flirted with where I'm like, oh, it's really too bad. Like, I, I definitely think that it could be hot. Oh, it would 100%. And really I mean, flattering. Oh, yeah. 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 No. Do you think if you were single and two gay men wanted to, like, have sex with you, do you think you'd say yes? Yes. I think I would, too. hundred percent. Especially if they were hot. Oh, my God. It's like the dream. Yeah. The only thing about it is you wonder if they would be, I guess, if they were really excited and into it. Yeah. I mean, we know how this one turns out. Right. But... But if they were pumped and stuff. Yeah, if they remain pumped throughout, <laughs> like when they like see you naked, they don't yeah. just like hurl into a trash can. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you ever been propositioned for a three-way? No. Mm-mm. Have you? Ew, this gross guy who was a friend's boyfriend in college. Um, he was Brazilian. That's not important to the story it's not why he's gross but he was of my sister's friend's boyfriend and he was literally like to me and my sister like so if you guys weren't sisters would you and I was like if we weren't sisters would we what like would you guys like have sex with me together and we were like well it was nice having dinner with you I hope you break up with this guy I do think, and we've talked a little bit about three ways on our show before, but I do think that if it's two people who are wanting to add a third, they have decided upon this, they are consenting to it as an idea that works for their relationship, and then they present it to a third party, that does seem like the healthiest way for a three-way to go down. Totally. Yeah. Also, like, um, I have never been in a three-way, but the thing that seems hot about it is one time I had a massage from two different people, like a mm. professional massage where two people were massaging. Yeah. And like, it was literally just like hands everywhere. Where did you do that? It was in a retreat um, oh. upstate New York. Yeah. Oh, that is where those that forehanded kind of massages happen. And I mean, it's literally so awesome because so much is going on. Forehands outside of Albany. <laughs> <laughs> is that where you were? That's like the porn category. But that is when a threesome would be hot. Is somebody's working on something, anyway. somebody's working on another. If yeah. you're just like the golden goddess that just oh, gets yeah. to be like, ravish me. Yes, of course. That's- but then, yeah, that I mean, the logistics of the three-way... Yeah, I think that is sort of like the gift and the curse of it is like more people, more activities, more things to do, more attention. And it's like, but what if like... It's like you just like watching two people be attracted to each other and you're just kind of like 
the third wheel sitting there just being like, oh, have fun, guys. I'll be here staring. I've done so little of this that I think if I'm going to have a threesome, if you're listening to this and you want to have a threesome with me, <laughs> I'm going to sign a contract and it's going to have all the activities oh, yeah. on I it. I think that's a great call. And this is what it's going to say. Rose will lie down. Right. Like not, a snow angel. Like a beautiful Jewish snow angel. She's not going to do anything to you. Right. You may worship her in these ways. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Sign and then here. When you're done, just leave. <laughs> yeah. Come outside of the confines of my house. Yeah. What's in your threesome contract? And my threesome contract would not be, I think it would be more just like, I mean, I love the snow angel part of it. I, you know, obviously shower me with all the attention. Yeah. Um, but also I think it would have to be like, yeah, like, um, there's going to be another, you know, it's going to be me and then there is going to be another person there. And then you, whoever you is, um, that other person needs to feel pretty non-existent. Um, yeah, the attention definitely needs to go to me. And I, are you thinking I, about you and two dudes right now? If there's yeah, if it was me and two dudes, I think it would have to be like you guys have it's to the like Jamie show. Yeah, it's the Jamie show, and like I'll make watch, it a competition. I'll watch you guys for like a minute just right. so like you get to experience that. But if yeah. it goes longer than I'm thinking three, four minutes, right. I think I'm gonna have to like ding, ding, ding a bell. <laughs> And ring just be like, hey, dong. guys, just to bring it back. Like, you know, in meditation, they'll like ring bells to like get you to remember to be present. I'll just be like hitting my little gong like, all right, time's up. Focus on me again. Yeah, I think that's exactly correct. And I also thought an, an, a fun way to add tension to an otherwise very chill situation, a.k.a. it's probably very tense to have a threesome. But as you can make it a competition <gasps> and you could say whoever satisfies sounds me so more. Healthy gets five dollars oh wow five dollars and whoever satisfies me less has to sneak out the window without their clothes on oh my god that's a that is fun you did make it more fun i love how you gamified yeah you gamified threesomes and no one's ever done that yeah that's smart thank you smart you're you're groundbreaking hi everybody tim heidecker here with huge news we have a terrific episode of Office Hours Live prepared for you. We had the great stand-up comedian Kyle Kinane come in and a very special in-studio music session from legendary Emdu Mokhtar. You're not going to want to miss this one. You can find it on your podcast app of choice by going to Sears or Macy's and getting an iPod and then coming home, charging it up and listening through your app. Okay, so the next time we see Carrie, she's walking through the village. When she takes a lit cigarette to the arm, burned but alive, she confronts Patrick, the guy who threw it. They patch things up over coffee and even more cigarettes. Before she leaves, Carrie gives him her number. Also, something to mention, he's another one of the actually cute guys on the show. Yes, agreed. Later, Carrie meets up with Miranda to help her put sheets on her bed. Weird hang, but okay. Carrie mentions that it's been three days and Patrick still hasn't called. She then heads back downtown where she runs into him on the street. They have an awkward, do you know how to use a phone conversation? And he reveals his reasoning. He's an alcoholic and he's a few weeks away from a year in recovery and shouldn't start dating. Carrie pushes him and Patrick figures 
eh, what the hell? Sure, I have self-control issues, but I'd love to date. They start going out and Carrie ends each night hanging her lips out there just looking to be kissed. But Patrick refuses to take the bait because recovery. Carrie eventually goes for it anyway and they end up having sex. Afterward, he literally jumps for joy because sex sober, it turns out, is cool. The core four catch up over lunch where Charlotte reveals that she's signed them all up for a tantric workshop to learn what it takes to be good in bed. Samantha heads to her three-way appointment with the gay Davids, where she psychs herself up in the bathroom. When she sees them in nothing but their underwear, she gets fully on board, and everything starts great. They're kissing and getting into it until David and David make their way south. Samantha's vagina, it seems, is a stumbling block, and they end up not going through with it. They also devastate her by backing out so far into the process. She seems like she's really digging it. Like, they're kissing down her body, and she's so horned up. No, they fully blue-balled her. Yeah, they totally blue-chotched her. Blue-chooched. Yeah. Blue-chooched and Blue-snooched her. Yeah. Carrie and Patrick wake up from another night together, and Patrick leans into his newfound, renewed love of sex. Carrie has to get to the tantric workshop Charlotte booked, but he doesn't want her to go. When she does break free, she explains herself. I think Patrick's addicted to me. It's like he's replaced drinking with me. Yeah, program guys are tough. I dated a guy who was in Overeaters Anonymous, and every time we had a fight, he'd binge eat hot fudge sundaes. In other words, ladies, to drive your man crazy. He wants to have sex all the time. It's getting a little out of hand. At least he wants to fuck you. They were gay. So? One minute they were interested, and then suddenly they weren't. What did I do to turn them off? Not having a dick would be the thing that you did to turn them off. You guys, I'm serious. This is rude. And use it to bring any man to his knees with love, of course. Where was this bitch last night when I needed her? Shh, shh, be quiet and you might learn something. This lady's supposed to be a genius. First of all, this woman needs to teach an enunciation class. Oh my God, it's so funny. To drill your R's. <laughs> Do you think this is fully just a New York woman who did yes. an accent? Yes. That was so over the top. I mean, it was such a good performance. <laughs> I love this episode. Ladies. Ladies. To, to drive your, drive man, your wild. man wild. Yeah. I, I was fascinated by her and I, and I looked up her IMDb and she's oh played God. that character <gasps> a thousand times. Wait, so not, really? like, not like literally this, but like she's been the Russian person on like a oh, thousand is shows. Is she actually not Russian? I believe she's Russian. Okay. Oh, she is. What if that it's was like a deadpan not real? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's Disney Russian. It's absolutely it is not i mean it's like musical theater russian like hello it's like doing it's like, glow like russian. it is it's glow russian 100 <laughs> percent. yeah um i when i started watching this episode i have not seen sex in the city a million times a lot of our listeners um i've got a lot of friends who listen shout out to mila charlotte all these people i know thank you for listening and they all watch sex in the city a million Same. times i'm with them i have not but i've watched it sometimes and when i they went to that uh, tantric sex class. I was like, I love this episode. It's so good. It's such a fun scene. It's so good. Um, okay, Rose, what do you think it means to be bad in bed? We're hearing a lot about being good in bed this episode. You mean what do like, you think? Because Charlotte is uh, freaked out about it? Yeah, now Samantha. Samantha's taking it personally that she's been rejected. You know what? I think it's just about like 
compassion and curiosity and presence. Like if you're present and you're reading the cues and communicating, then you should be fine. I, I don't think that Charlotte is bad in bed. I think if you're dating an ER surgeon yeah. or something, it. I, I understand why she feels insecure. I've never had somebody fall asleep while I was having sex with them. And even if they did, I know my ego would be bruised, but when you become an adult and ti- extreme tiredness yeah, becomes a part you of your do life. You kind of start to just make exceptions. I understand why that happened and I understand why she's insecure, but I don't think it's related to her being good or bad in bed. What do you think? I think that in this per- in this particular instance with this ER surgeon, I believe he is, the people I know who have worked in the ER, I know nurses and doctors who have done it. Um, yeah, it's like the hardest job of all time and you truly never sleep and you also don't necessarily even like take care of yourself. And it's just a very selfless, insane pursuit. And I think that that it, because of his profession, it, it makes it believable that this would happen and that it actually isn't her. But Charlotte's insecurity about being a bad lover, I think, comes from the fact that she at this point hasn't had I don't know she hasn't really had a stable anything so I think it might be coming from a place of just feeling like a little rejected in life yeah yeah I think to me the idea of good or bad is just how connected you are it's like yeah it's all chemistry yeah and also just presence and like the more the the more present you are and less in your head like uh the better so if you're worrying during foreplay or intercourse or massage if I'm good or bad you're probably not being very present yes and also the lack of presence can then lead to being more performative yeah and performative I think is a version of bad yeah and I think everybody's different I think most people can generally only most people I would say are more present with people that they feel comfortable with which is why casual sex can tend to be not that satisfying because but there are some really body positive sex positive people that are like have banging casual sex sure sure yeah um what did you think about uh patrick's i mean talk about the opposite of feeling bad about yourself how do you I mean, if I were Carrie, I'd probably feel like a million bucks if this guy's like, this is the best sex I've ever had. I just want to keep having sex with you. Obviously, there's an addiction element to it. But I'm sure in the beginning, my ego would be pretty boosted. Well, that's what's funny about this is that I feel like Carrie pretty quickly pins down that it's his addictive personality that is sort of seeking her out and obsessing over her. Yeah. Like she doesn't really ride the flattery wave Which probably means she's just connect. But that also is because we, I actually think it's a really nice, um, a really nice character defining moment because it shows why she likes big big would never give her this much, this many compliments, this much of a boost. But also this is, Coming from a, a an unwell place, you know what oh, I mean? She's yes. right. Yeah. No, no, she's right. But I'm right. saying she doesn't even take a second right. to be like, wow, right. this guy's so into You're me. Right. And she truly, there's no beat of like her enjoying it. And then we see her be like, hey guys, wait a minute. Maybe actually he isn't. No, that. you're right. That's like, right. It's immediately like, ah, I don't like this. That's actually, she has, she has a pretty bad sense of red flags, obviously, because of big but this was a 
Good. She was spot on. Yeah, and it's really interesting because, like, my family is not a drinking family. There's plenty of shit we no, have in our family, my, but my family's not either. We don't have alcoholics right, or drug same. addicts in our family. We have other things, and that's not a we're better than other people. We've got plenty of our own issues, but that's not one of ours. So I didn't really grow up with a lot of understanding of addiction and. Um, it was only as I've gotten older, having a, a few sober friends that I really mm-hmm. understand uh, a little bit more about it. I sure. mean, if you don't have any experience with it, you don't even know. And I actually think that for as broad and hilarious and wild the show can be, I actually thought Patrick's character from what I've experienced with friends who have addiction issues and talking these through that this character feels very real like this is what people with addiction issues do actually yeah like it felt it felt nuanced it didn't feel it 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 felt broad in that he's like jumping up and down on the bed and he's like i've never felt more alive or whatever he says there are elements that make it more comedic but i do believe that the heart of it is very specific and feels like it's based on either a collection of people that the writers knew or a person. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just an interesting issue. If you don't struggle with addiction and if it's not in your inner circle, I didn't know until the last few years that just because you stop drinking or you stop doing drugs that your addictive personality doesn't disappear. If yes. you eat, you can't eat one potato chip, you eat yes. two bags. Yes. You you don't just date somebody you're like fucking in love with them yes. immediately. So I, I think this is a very interesting episode because it explores something that Lots of people are struggling with. As you get older, you will meet people that are like this. And it's just an interesting addiction is just an interesting phenomenon and not to be cold and clinical about it and be like, it's interesting. But like it is it is very multifaceted. If you don't know anything about alcoholism, you could be like, oh, he's not drinking. So he's not an addict anymore. It's like, well, this is a part of his personality that he's always going to have to. A friend yeah. of mine was dating an alcoholic recently, and it's just like immediately, like we're gonna get married, and where should mm-hmm. we? It's just this dive in mentality. Yeah, that if you uh, have a good sense of boundaries, like she picked up very quickly. Yeah, but you can see how people could get swept up in it. Yeah. Oh my god, he thinks I'm so beautiful and perfect. Well, that's and- why I, I yeah, I'm surprised that because well, also when he sort of rejects her in the beginning when she's trying to hang out with him she gives him her number he doesn't respond she's kind of like oh what's the deal with this guy and then the second he's like into her she's just like gross (laughs) but I mean I know that it's coming from a a deeper place but it is I think it's also maybe even not consciously the writers wrote it this way but I do think there is an element of like Carrie does not want to be too pursued have you ever dated somebody with an addiction issue yes and did how do they act um how did they act? I mean, for me, I just am not a big drinker. Yeah, and I neither. also don't need to like, like I'll drink if I go to a bar, but I don't drink at home. And that was the part that was really hard for me. It was that we would be on the couch relaxing, watching a show and he would finish like a full bottle of wine. And That's I'm like, insane. it's just not wine time right now. Also a bottle for one person is cuckoo. Yeah. And, it, and he, he was a big dude, but like, it was enough to make him wasted and he would get so wasted and it's like we're just sitting at home and then sometimes he would have like whiskey and I'd be like I, at first I was just like because this was when I was in my 20s did you so. not realize until deeper in how I long did it take you I realized um pretty quickly hmm. pretty quickly but but I also was just like I don't know I just had like lower standards or I wasn't willing to like ask for what I wanted actually that's not fully true I brought it up pretty quickly what did you again, say I just was like, I was like, you're, you just get, I was so mad when he would get drunk. Cause I was like, never drunk. 
right. with him. Like and it's that. just annoying to have somebody be like, a yeah. Mess. Right. And it's also, again, in these in between sweet moments of downtime, right. it's not party time. It's not drink time. No, we're, we're just w- hanging we're out. We're literally just like watching a TV show. It's midnight. Like, yeah, what's what, the deal? We're about to go to bed. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Right. So that, yeah, really bothered me. And I also didn't like the role reversal. I don't know if that's the right term for it, but I didn't like that I had to be his caretaker. I was the one sort of like kind of being like, come on. Like it was a lot of like him kind of like leaning on me. And also he would like be more, um, he would like be less, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like less delicate with me. So he would like accidentally hurt me in ways like he would like put his arm around me, but like too rough. Yeah. And you're just like, he didn't have control of his body in a way where I was like, that's a little scary a little. Yeah, exactly. It felt, it was like kind of inadvertently volatile. Did you like, he was a friendly drunk, but his looseness sort of translated into a big body exactly into like not having control over the way he touched me and did you break up with him because of it no other issues no we broke up he broke up with me eventually wow yeah yeah i put up with it for a pretty i put up with it for like a little less than a year yeah and did you see the addictive qualities in other areas no oh interesting no very functional what about Very, with you? Was he like obsessed with you? And yeah, I guess. Yeah. Hard and like, I would can- say early on, it seemed to me. Yeah. I mean, it went straight from there was no dating grace period. It really was like we're hanging out. We're in a relationship. Like there was right. nothing that sort of ramped up in a healthy way. And I wanted a boyfriend so badly that I didn't see the signs of like, whoa, that happened quickly. Um, but then, yeah, the drinking was just it just sucks to have to like worry about someone when you just want to relax it's like really exhausting especially again in those moments when you're really just trying to decompress from the day and then they're kind of like having their own little party and you're like oh like I just all I'm saying is from that relationship on I was like whoever I date next has to have the same values I do in terms of vices like we have to be able to go to a bar and I'm not going to worry about you and if I am going to worry about you, we're worrying about each other in a fun, like, let's fucking drink tonight kind of way. Yeah. You know, like it, ha- we have to be on the same page vice wise. I can, and that's like Dan and I are such a good fit in that way where I'm like, I can't like I, he's so never, I never have to worry about him. Like he's just not that guy. Yeah. I barely drink. You and I are very similar yes. in this way. I, I just don't think I could date somebody that liked to party and drink that much because I don't even go out that much. Like I'm a chill, I'm a chillaxer. Yeah. And it's also just like if you do go out and you guys are like, you know what, let's have some drinks tonight. The fact that you're even having that conversation shows that you have a healthy relationship with alcohol. Right. This was more like if I would be like, hey, like, can you not drink so much tonight? And he's like, I don't drink that much. And then he gets wasted and you're like, oh. Please stop. Well, yeah, and also it's like... You have just, like, no control over yourself, the situation, the relationship, like, nothing. Because they're not willing to meet you halfway. Yeah, and, like, obviously there's tons of sober alcoholics and people that are on the path and whatever. And it's a multifaceted issue. Uh, There's a genetic component. But generally... He also never went to, like, treatment for it or anything. Well, right. And I think that in addition to being genetically more uh, likely to have alcoholism... A lot of times people are not dealing with things that, you know, anytime people are doing drugs and alcohol to the point of obliteration or food, anytime you have to kind of 
there's, or even smoke weed till you, you know, every single day, there's something that's not being dealt with. So even if they weren't drinking, there's something, there's a nugget there. Yeah. And so I think being with somebody who's like, at least this guy's deep, like, you know, I'm sure we have plenty of friends who've been on and off the wagon. Absolutely. And it's a tough battle. But I think even the, the this guy's trying, you know, he's just, yeah. he's just on the beginning of his journey. I mean, my therapist is, is 25 years sober and, you know, he's a great husband and he's sure. a great therapist. It's just this guy is at the beginning of his journey. Yeah. And it's th- this particular instance with this with Patrick he's really trying to like he was like I don't want to date you because I shouldn't date you like he tried to like yeah distance himself because he was like really committing to the program so it's it actually this this episode does have sort of a sad underbelly with Patrick but I am glad that they told this story I thought it was really interesting me too so meanwhile Dr. Shapiro's lingam massage builds to her husband well Finishing all over the apartment. The man gets it everywhere, including Miranda's hair. So good. And the next time Carrie sees Patrick, he tells her he loves her. It would be sweet if it weren't coming 10 days into their relationship. Carrie senses it's time to pump the brakes and Patrick heads off to deal. It's kind of funny how it's like every woman wants a man to say I love you. I know. This is what I'm saying. Except if it's coming from a really weird kind of out of control place. Absolutely. Charlotte, meanwhile, puts everything she learned in class right to use. The next time we see her, she's giving Bram a lingam massage Dr. Shapiro would be proud of. It's confirmed the man will not be passing out mid-sex with her anytime soon. And the next time we see Patrick, he reveals that he did not take Carrie's reasonable request for a teensy bit of space. Carrie! Oh my God. Hey, Patrick, what are you doing? What? You! You bitch! I loved you! And you didn't love me! You fucking made me date you before the month! And now I'm drunk! Oh, God. And I don't care! Carrie! I love you, Carrie! I love you! Make love to me! What are you doing, Todd? Don't take your clothes off! My first impulse was to go down and rescue him, but as I learned on our second date, that would be codependent. Still, I felt I had to do something. Here, put this on! Get a cold! I owe my fucking (laughs) die! He's so funny. This, this guy's guy is, awesome. He's, he's a great actor. He's great. Yeah, we should look and see what else he's this done. This is amazing. Skylar, can you look up Patrick? Such a good scene. Three weeks oh, later, I, love it. I got a letter from Patrick saying he was back in the program and wanted to make amends. I never saw him again, but I always wondered two things. Was he able to stay sober? Am I really that good in bed? Yes, girl. Yes, you are. So Skylar flagged something really interesting, which is that the under the window freak out yeah. is such a trope. Has that ever happened to you? Or do you know anyone that's actually happened to? It's more of like a New York trope. An under the win- uh, under the window. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It's so romantic. I wish it had. I know. I don't think so. Has it happened to you? No. I guess it's like when I lived in New York, I'm like, I guess my apartment sort of just always faced like air shafts. <laughs> so I never, I never got the like you know romance of someone like down below shouting up to me or like throwing rocks at my window the funny thing about like rom-com things it's like even the bad ones you kind of secretly want someone to pine after you don't want them to stalk you and be horrible 
But you do. Oh, kind of, yeah. Big gestures are kind of nice, you know? Yeah. You're the best fuck I ever had. Patrick was played by Richard Joseph Paul. Okay. Who we also know from 666 Park Avenue. Never heard of that. Royal Pains. Don't know. Gossip Girl. He's in Gossip Girl. Okay, so he's definitely like a New York actor. Yeah, he's like a working actor. Okay, good for him. But he's very funny. He's great. He's ex. Oh, he really works. Oh, he has a really long IMDb page. He kind of has a vibe like the hot priest in Fleabag. Oh, yeah, a little bit. He also looks like that actor from that Jennifer Lopez movie I love. You know, I love that movie Enough. Did we ever talk about that with Jennifer Lopez? What is it called? Enough. Oh, I don't know. Oh, my God. It's okay. so phenomenal. Watch it tonight. You'll okay. be obsessed. I will. Yeah. Um, but anyways, the the bad guy in that movie looks like Patrick. I forget the actor's name. He has name. a very, like... The guy who is also in The Killing. He plays the congressman in The Killing. Anyway, Patrick looks like him. Okay. Do you think a person who doesn't have a drinking problem and somebody who is a sober, not drinking alcoholic can have a relationship? Absolutely. I have a friend who has been sober. I don't know how many years, but definitely a significant amount of years. And he just got married and he's in a very happy relationship with someone who does not have a problem, a substance abuse problem. And I definitely think it's it's possible. Yeah, Um, I think so, too. Yeah, I, I think I have a friend. Yeah, like I said, my therapist has been sober for 25 years. I have a friend who's very much my, – my friend who's been married to her husband for eight years. He got sober within the first year, and they've got a four-year-old son. He's been Aww. sober for seven years. Yeah. He didn't even do it in a program. He just stopped drinking one day. Yeah, I think they're all different. I think you really hit the nail on the head when you're talking about, like, you're dealing with something deeper. Yeah. And I think some people are eventually willing to confront what that deeper thing is, and right. maybe that helps them – through their recovery and then there are other people who are just kind of like tackling the issue of drinking but not really going to the place that causes them to drink and I feel like that is the more hopeless cause when you're not willing to like open up and get vulnerable and I don't think it's easy by the way I'm not saying that like yeah just open up and get vulnerable it's like very painful to deal with trauma but yes the quicker you can make yourself vulnerable I think the more healing the quicker the healing yes that's where I think the 12-step programs are really really great like I have to say for me personally I don't think I I mean who knows never say never but it would make me nervous to be with somebody who is a sober alcoholic even if it had been a long time it just makes me nervous yeah but I would need that person to have gone through or be going to 12-step because there's such a great support system. And I think in 12 step, you have to start talking yes, about exactly. Whereas if people just stop drinking, I don't think you necessarily have to address your bigger issues. Right. Um, so I think that's where 12 step really can be helpful. And then it provides a community and you have a sponsor. And I've just seen it be really, really helpful for people. The only the only red flags I've had in when I've dated people who had issues with drinking specifically or or whatever other substance I guess it was mostly just drinking for me but it's always that thing of like I'm not drinking right now I always think that's like a telltale sign when someone's like I'm not drinking right now that is because you're like oh well for like you and me I'm like well I never am not drinking or drinking I'm just I'll have a drink or I won't have I don't even think about it in those terms I've never worried about it but when someone's like I'm not drinking right now it means that they got really fucked up and felt kind of bad and something is yeah yeah, yeah. Another telltale sign of somebody who has a drinking problem is if they make you feel bad for not drinking. Like, 
I have this casual acquaintance and like oh I have a friend like and that he too. was like whoa yep. you're gonna make me drink alone blah 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 and it's like yeah. why do you care like, right I'm not interested I don't know yeah and it's also not like you're like I'm gonna go home or like I'm bored and no, sleepy I'm myself, it's like yeah. no you're having a good time yeah people are like don't make me drink alone or like come yeah. on just have a drink it's like what are we 15 I've never Get I don't even notice back. when I if I've ordered a drink and someone hasn't I don't even think I would notice. I would just be like, oh, you're drinking what you chose to drink. I, I'm not like keeping tabs on what you're drinking. Yeah, I think it's just inconsequential. Just, yeah, yeah. Like, the only way I would keep tabs is if I was like, can I get you something? And then you're like, I'll have a club soda. And I'd be like, oh, okay, have a club soda. Like, I don't, why would I care? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this brings us to the question of the episode. That night, I got to thinking about bed. Are we secretly being graded every time we invite someone to join us in it? A plus, B, B, incomplete? Is making love really nothing more than a pop quiz? And if sex is a test, how do we know if we're passing or failing? How do you know if you're good in bed? It's an interesting question. I think the idea of being graded is more about if you're having a casual encounter. If you're with somebody in a real way in a relationship... I don't think they're grading you. They they think of you as a whole person. If if you're in a relationship, it's sex is a part of it for sure. Um, but they're seeing the whole side of you, all parts of you. And so the sex is just one of many parts. Yeah. I think the grading someone on sex is when that's really all there is. Yes, of course. Because if you care about somebody, you just see them in a deeper way. And you could say, oh, maybe I had a a little bit of crazier time with this person or, or that lover was a little more dominant. But if it's someone you care about, it's just a little more like, okay, this is this person. Yeah. What do you think? No, I think that's, I think that feels accurate. I think, do you feel judged? The one time, yeah. I mean, I guess I never have, which is maybe really close-minded and naive of me. No, I don't think it's close-minded. But I never thought of it in those terms. I don't that's know healthy. why. No, I, I think just, that's now good. I maybe would. That means now you were I present. Would. It means you were present. I just was like, what? Like, I don't know what other people are doing. So I just kind of was like, I don't know. I just, maybe it was really short-sighted of me. I was just kind of like, well, I don't think it's short-sighted, Jamie. I think maybe. that ideally you're not thinking about being judged. That's do you think a- that that's how people are when they have sex? Like, do you think that people are thinking, am I good at, like, am I as good as someone else that they've been with? I think it depends on what's going on. I think if you're a man who has erectile issues or I think if you have uh, let's say you don't have any issues oh so then would you oh that's yeah I just mean like let's say like you're just there's nothing really no hangups no hangups yeah then I I think ideally you wouldn't be thinking about that because you'd be focusing on the fun time you're having yeah I think if you're wondering if they're judging you it's because you don't feel very good about the relationship whatever it is yeah it feels like something else is wrong yeah. I had sex with this guy once and we had like the best sex and he ended up being so fucking lame and I was like mm. but like I still am like oh yeah we had like great chemistry. Do you think that But was it that we had like is it that we had great chemistry or was it I don't know. How long do you think like, you could have had great sex with him? Probably for a while but but then when I hung out with him, it's so shallow, but I hung out with him and he was like dressed really lame. And I was like, no, like he was wearing these like really ugly sandals. And I was like, that's not my man. <laughs> like, that's not I don't know. That's I, hilarious. It's just it's not that the footwear it's what the footwear says. It's like there's it speaks volumes. Jamie, just to does. answer the Sex and City question, how do you know if you're good in bed? How do you know? Are you good in bed? I think so. I mean, I don't I'm there. 
I like I do the things you're supposed to do. I don't know. You tickle the balls and rub the perineum. Yeah, I love perineums. I just can't stay away from them. No, I mean I don't know. Do you think you're good in bed? I think I'm good at certain things. I think I'm good. That's at, how I feel. I think I'm good at blowjobs and hand oh, jobs. Okay, good. Yeah, I think I'm good at. I think I'm good. I don't know. I, don't I just need- don't. Also, I don't grade myself on that. Probably it's probably a defense mechanism of like. I just don't want to think that I might be bad at it because what am I going to do? Like, I guess I could like take a class. Like, do I need to go to like you know Dr. What? Shapiro and like learn how to give a lingam massage? I have something important to say. What? Being with a partner yeah. who's communicative, being with the right partner makes you good in bed. That's what I think too. I think if two people are like, babe, does this feel good? I feel like do you I've like been this? with, no, I've been with some people who I think are straight up hopeless. Well, like actually I agree with you. did not know what to do with their mouths or bodies. I completely agree. But I do think part of being good in bed is finding your right match. Because when you're with the right person, then you get good in bed. Yes. And finding someone who makes you feel comfortable enough to express your needs. To me, that's the hottest thing ever. That's hotter than like anything. Just having someone who's like, tell me what is good for you. Like, like anyone who's willing to communicate in bed, I, or at least makes them at least 20% hotter, I would say. Yeah. Just just being communicative makes them 20% hotter. I think hotter. as long as you're interested in the other person's pleasure and invested in it, yeah. you're a good lover, period. I think that's yeah. almost all it takes. Yeah. And, and you have some awareness, of some body awareness, yeah. some social awareness. Yeah. Then you should be fine. I mean, I think part of being good in bed, too, is like I when I'm into someone and I'm enjoying them, I like. I like sex to come out of the bedroom. I like sending sexy texts. I send sexy pictures. I like sex. To me, sex starts like in the morning when you wake up giving compliments throughout the day. Like I like sex to take on a creativity Mm. and not just be like, oh, it's nighttime. We're alone. It's dark. Like let's have sex now. I kind of need it to be this like we've been building. We've been flirting. We've been... Sure. So I think that that's part sense. of being good in bed, though. Like, yeah, I think just because I like you're that, like the extension, like outside of the bedroom, yeah, giving compliments, sp- spanking your butt when you're walking in the kitchen, just like keeping sexuality alive. Yeah, that's true. Because I me, think sometimes yeah. that that part gets faded out, and then it's like this is an act. Yeah, it's then just, it's just an act. isolated thing, and it's like yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to. I'm be. I'm not just like ready right now. Right, it right, has right. to be a build. Right. That's a great, great point. So I think that's a way of being a good lover is just making sure to keep it alive with your partner. Yes. Okay. Well, to cap off this horny conversation, you know how we end every episode. Sex in the City is obviously a very horny show. So we end each episode by sharing what we're cur- cur- currently horny for. I have mine. Um, it's a podcast that I'm obsessed with. It's called Dear Joan and Jerrica. It is a it's just, I, I almost don't even want to say what it is. Just go listen to it, you guys. It's these two wonderful women from the UK. Um, yeah, I, I almost don't even want to tell you anything else. Um, they give advice. It's a it's an advice show. People write in and they answer their letters. And that's really all I want to say. It's brilliantly funny. And um, I'm obsessed with it. And the episodes aren't even that long. I think they're like 20 minute episodes. So yeah, it's great for like a quick commute. And uh, I would tell you more, but I just think uh, I'm going to leave the mystery hanging there. That was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I am horny for a really fun book called What Makes Sammy Run. Mm. It's a really classic Hollywood book about uh, 
It's a really, really fun read. I think it was written in the 50s or 60s. And it's about a guy named Sammy who has no talent but all the ambition and drive in the world. And he starts in the mailroom of like a CAA-type agency. And the author is just another guy who is also in the mailroom who actually is a writer and is talented. And he just watches his slimy, talentless starfucker friend just like rise oh, up I and just that. take Hollywood by storm. And it's just such an interesting character. He's a phony. He's a schmoozer. He's an asshole. And he's just like unbelievably successful. Oh, I want to read that. It's really fun. And it's like if you like Hollywood, if you're into like classic Hollywood. Is it a new book? No, no. It was written in the 50s or 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. No, but I read it for the first time and I fucking love it. Oh, great. So if you like old Hollywood and if you like larger than life characters, it's a really fun read. Love that. Yeah, so if you just need something great to read, I would recommend it. Great. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you guys for listening. We love you. Love ya. Thanks for listening to Couldn't Help But Wonder. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chbwpod and follow my co-host Rose Cerno on Insta and Twitter at Rose Cerno. And please follow my co-host Jamie at Really Jamie Lee on Instagram and at The Jamie Lee on Twitter. And please rate, review, subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app if you're nasty. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everyone. You're nasty. Bye. Bye. Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. And mastered by Anna Rubinova. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcast.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook. (coughs) Meow. <coughs>